Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time that we can come together. Father, we can meet with you as a corporate group. We can come together to, to ask your blessing upon this, this convocation of people, Lord, that we could learn of you, that your spirit would fill each one of us, that we would be mindful of the things that you have for us. Father, help us not just to be hearers of these words that we're learning and these things that we're taking in, but help us to be doers. Prepare this ground, Lord, that we'd have fertile ground that we could receive the seeds of the word that you have for us, that it would bear good fruit. To your name's glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to ask you guys a question, a couple of questions, and then I'll make a few statements. How many people here... Well, the first question is, how many people here are involved in, in growing something? A lot of you. I asked that because it's early. And I wanted to see how many people... Last night, Bob asked it, and, and quite a few people raised their hand. And so I was curious this morning if it would be a little bit different or the same. How many people here want to proclaim the third angel message? or are proclaiming the third angel's message. How many people know how many rules William Miller used? No? Can somebody tell me how many rules of interpretation William Miller used? Seven. Seven, no? Fourteen. Fourteen. Who said fourteen? Your wife. And my wife. And one person back there. So William Miller had 14 rules of prophetic interpretation. And that might not sound important at this day and age because William Miller is, you know, 1830, he started preaching this message, 33, he started preaching this message. But it, it should have a relevance for us today in light of the spirit of prophecy. Let me read you a quote from um, Review and Herald, November 25th, 1844. Those who are engaged in proclaiming the third angel's message are searching the scripture upon the same plan that Father Miller adopted. In the little book entitled Views of the Prophecies and Prophetic Chronology, Father Miller gives the following simple but intelligent and important rules of Bible study and interpretation. Now, how important do you think these rules are now? And almost nobody here knows what they are. And so I read that and I thought, why don't I know what they are? If I want to be proclaiming the three angels' messages, if that's what our call is, and we're to be using the same lines that Miller used, seems logical that we would know what those lines are. She goes on, she says this. She lists five of Miller's rules. Every word must have its proper bearing on the subject presented in the Bible. All scripture is necessary and may be understood by diligent application and study. Nothing revealed in the scripture can or will be hid from those who ask in faith, not wavering. 
To understand doctrine, bring all the scripture together on the subject you wish to know and let every word have its proper influence. And if you can form your theory without contradiction, you cannot be in error. Scripture must be its own expositor. Since it is a rule of itself, if I depend on a teacher to expound to me and he should guess at its meaning or desire to have it so on account of his sectarian creed or to be thought wise, then his guessing, desire, creed, or wisdom is my rule and not the Bible. Review and Herald, November 25th, 1884. 1884. 1884. And then she says, the above is a portion of these rules. In our study of the Bible, we shall do well to heed the principles set forth. Now, I haven't been an Adventist that long. Uh, 2009, we were baptized. We studied for about two and a half years. Before that, we studied out Ellen White. And I never heard this before. Um, Let me finish the quote. Genuine faith is founded on the scriptures, but Satan uses so many devices to rest the scripture and bring in error that great care is needed if one would now it would know what they if one would know what they really do teach. It is one of the greatest delusions of this time to dwell much upon feeling and to claim honesty while ignoring the plain utterances of the word of God because that word does not coincide with the feeling. Many have no foundation for their faith but emotion. Their religion consists in excitement. When that ceases, their faith is gone. Feeling may be chaff, but the word of God is the wheat. And what says the prophet is the chaff to the wheat. None will be condemned for not heeding light and knowledge that they, ha- they never had and they, and they could not obtain. But many refuse to obey the truth that is presented to them by Christ's ambassadors. Who here is Christ's ambassador? Because they wish to conform to the world's standard and the truth that has reached their understanding. The light that has shone in the soul will have been shining through all the ages, and we shall be held correspondingly responsible. The path of holiness is not a, not a level, the path of holiest, holiness is not a level with the world. It is a way cast up. If we walk in this way, if we run in the way of the Lord's commandments, we shall find that the path of the just is as a shining light, is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So if we are studying the Bible in some other manner, are we that shining light? Can we be that shining light? I was talking to someone earlier, and... um, In my studies, as I had done Bible studies with people, and as I was 
studying with people, one of the things that I found was that we have got this idea that we study the scriptures as we would study our history book in class. You know, it's sort of a history book, because it is a history book. And so, you may be thinking, what does this have to do with agriculture right now? But if we don't understand the foundations, if we have some, some method of, of interpretation, some method of study that's out of sorts with the scripture, and we haven't been taught how to study the Bible, we're really not going to understand agriculture. We're not going to understand the three angels' message, and we're not going to be actually giving the message we think we're giving. Does anyone here know what the problem the Jews had when they crucified their Savior? We're told he was the Jewish economy embodied, right? He was the express image of, of the Jewish economy. Misinterpretation of prophecy. They had an expectation of what Messiah was going to do and what he was going to be when he showed up and how that was all going to happen. They had a preconceived idea, and it was the traditions of men that sealed up the word of God to them, we're told, by spirit of prophecy. And so I would challenge you as you consider what you're taking in from the people that are standing up here presenting to you, that you be as a Berean and you test all these things. Amen. Take it back to the Word, and if it's not according to that, there's no light in it. We, um, we have a tendency to be enamored with people who seem really smart, really intelligent, that speak well and, and have these things, and it's very easy to get um, smitten by that. And I would just encourage you that we will all be tested and tried individually and alone. You're not going to have your pastor, you're not going to have your wife, you're not going to have your husband, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your child. They're not going to be there when you're hauled in before magistrates and prelates and judges to give an answer for the faith that is in you. And we're told this. I want to read a, a somewhat of a long passage. I've, I apologize. I, I don't particularly feel comfortable with my own thoughts. I don't trust myself very much. Actually, I trust myself too much. And so I find that I am trying not to trust myself by the, God's grace. Um, but in 5T706, it says... Peter exhorted his brethren to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Whenever the people of God are growing in grace, they will be constantly obtaining a clear understanding of his word. They will discern new light and beauty in its sacred truths. This has been true in the history of the church in all ages, and thus it will continue to the end. There's a principle in Bible prophecy in Isaiah. It says, I tell you the end of a thing from the beginning of a thing. You familiar with that? That's what she's saying here, right? But as real spiritual life declines, it has ever been the tendency to cease to advance in the knowledge of truth. Did you catch that? Does any, is anybody here familiar with Revelation 3? There's a message to the church of Laodicea. 
Do you know who you are? You know, we come up here and we're on a mountain right now. We're kind of at a spiritual high when we come together collectively because there's a lot of like-minded people here. And we don't necessarily find people who think like this on a, every given day in our walk. And it's easy to sort of elevate ourselves and think that we are rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. And I would warn you to be very careful of spiritual pride. I'm warning myself. You know, we study and, you know, we're, we're following spirit of prophecy and we're, you know, we got the health message and we, we got dress reform, right? And um, it's of no value if, if the heart isn't changed. And the heart doesn't get changed by head knowledge. And head knowledge assists that process, you know, or have an intelligent walk with God, you know. But if it doesn't do the work in the heart that's needed, of what value? But as real spiritual life declines, it has ever been the tendency to cease to advance in the knowledge of the truth. Men rest satisfied with the light already received from God's word and discourage any further investigation of the scriptures. They become conservative and seek to avoid dissension. We're conservative Adventists, aren't we? Isn't that what we say? Just saying. The fact that there is no controversy or agitation among God's people should not be regarded as conclusive evidence that they are holding fast to sound doctrine. There is reason to fear that they may not be clearly discriminating between truth and error. When no new questions are started by investigation of the scriptures, when no difference of opinion arises which will set men to searching the Bible for themselves to make sure that they have the truth, there will be many now, as in ancient times, who will hold to tradition and worship they know not what. Test all things. Hold to that which is true. I have been shown that many who profess to have a knowledge of present truth, I was told recently that they didn't ask, how long have you been a seven-day Adventist many years ago? They said, how long have you been in the truth, brother? I have been shown that many who profess to have the knowledge of present truth know not what they believe. They do not understand the evidences of their faith. They have no just appreciation of the work for the present time. When the time of trial shall come, there are men now preaching to others who will find, upon examining the opinions they hold, that there are many things for which they can give no satisfactory reason.
Lost my place. Until this tested, they knew not their great ignorance. And there are many in the church who take it for granted that they understand what they believe. But until controversy arises, they do not know their own weaknesses. When separated from those of like faith and compelled to stand singly and alone to explain their belief, they will be surprised to see how confused are their ideas of what they had accepted as truth. Certain it is that there, are, there has been among us a departure from the living God and a turning to men and putting human in place of divine wisdom. Who's she talking to? Those in 1888? How many believe Ellen White is the messenger of God? Now all these things are written. All the, I'm sorry. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. This is for me and you. This is our condition. This is where we stand. God will arouse his people. If other means fail, heresies will come in among them, which will sift them, separating the shaft from the weed. The Lord calls upon all who believe his word to wake out of sleep. How many of the, of the virgins were asleep? I heard five. All. All of the virgins were asleep. Did all of the virgins have oil? They all had oil. Not all had enough oil. So were they all Christians or believers were they all infused with the Holy Spirit yeah to some measure right they had the oil search yourselves you know it's not a I'm, I'm putting it out there for you to consider you know I'm not trying to judge anybody I don't, I don't really know most of you but it was evident to me in my own life that it's very easy to compare ourselves with each other. The Lord calls upon all who believe his word to wake out of sleep. Precious light has come appropriate for this time. It is the Bible truth showing the perils that are right upon us. This light should lead us to a diligent study of the scriptures and a most critical examination of the position which we hold. God would have all the bearings and positions of truth thoroughly, perseveringly searched with prayer and fasting. Believers are not to rest in suppositions and ill-defined ideas of what constitutes truth. Their faith must be firmly founded upon the word of God so that when the testing time shall come and they are brought before councils to answer for their faith, they may be able to give a reason for the hope that is in them with meekness and fear. Agitate, agitate, agitate. The subjects which we present to the world must be to us a living reality. 
It is important that in defending the doctrines which we consider fundamental articles of faith, we should never allow ourselves to employ arguments that are not wholly sound. These may avail to silence an opposer, but they do not honor the truth. We should present sound arguments that will not only silence our opponents, but will bear the closest and most searching scrutiny With those who have educated themselves as debaters, there is great danger that they will not handle the word of God in such a manner as to await, I'm sorry, they will not handle the word of God with fairness. In meeting an opponent, do we have opponents? Do do you ever find yourself, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I battle with an argumentative spirit. It's a weakness. And I imagine most people do, if they're honest with themselves. We have a self-defensive mechanism that's sort of inbuilt for some reason. It's lack of faith, I think. Um, It's easy to win an argument with false supposition. It's easy to win an argument and put someone in their place and say the right thing with the wrong spirit. In meeting an opponent, it should be our earnest effort to present subjects in such a manner as to waken conviction in his mind instead of seeking merely to give confidence to the believer. We're to meet them with the idea of winning their salvation not to show them they're wrong. How often do you find someone who says something you disagree with and you want to confront that and challenge that because they're wrong? Do you think God needs defending? Certainly we're to defend God. But the way we defend God is by loving others, not by showing them The Holy Spirit will show them. That's his job. That's what he's been sent here for, right? We're to preach repentance. We're to preach the truth. But our motive, our heart, we're not to to bring... When we see someone in error, we're told we're not to bring correction unless we're willing to lay down our lives for them. Whatever may be man's intellectual advancement, let him not for a moment think that there is not, <clears throat> excuse me, there is no need for, of thorough and continuous searching of the scriptures for greater light. As a people, we are called individually to be students of prophecy. How did this movement start? They were preaching the prophetic message, were they not? I tell you the end of a thing from the beginning of a thing. Righteousness by faith is not righteousness by faith. If you take the prophecy out of it, I'll let you know that. 
We must, <clears throat> we must watch with earnestness that we may discern any ray of light which God shall present to us. We are to catch the first gleamings of truth, and through prayerful study, clear light may be obtained which can be brought before others. When God's people are at ease and satisfied with their present enlightenment, we may be sure that we will not favor them. He will not favor them. It is his will that they should be ever moving forward to receive the increasing and ever-increasing light which is shining for them. The present attitude of the church is not pleasing to God. There has, <clears throat> there has come in a self-confidence that has led them to feel no necessity for more truth and greater light. We are living at a time when Satan is at work on the right hand and on the left hand, before and behind us, and yet, as a people, we are asleep. God wills that a voice shall be heard arousing his people to action. The second book is the garden. The morning devotion is a challenge, I think, that we reevaluate ourselves as we come in to study with people today, as we come in to learn new things, that we are discerning the new light. And that we're not a shunning that, but we're holding that light to the Word of God and testing it to prove it. That we might come into the fullness of who God is. That Satan, as though he, though he is on the right and the left hand, though we are Laodicea, though we are sleeping virgins, we will be woken up and we can have that oil. That the Laodicean church has given the greatest promise the world has ever known, in my opinion. That they can be the church triumphant in spite of the position they find themselves in. So let us press together and take these things that we're hearing, these things that we're learning, these things that we have learned in our gardens that we contribute, that God is sharing with us. Let us press together and not be satisfied with the mere illusion of truth, but that we press together and we challenge one another's ideas and we challenge each other and we don't get offended. But that we want to be challenged, that we know that the thing that we hold is truth. That's my challenge, that we come together and we press together. And I'm telling you, some of the animals on the ark are not comfortable to press together with. But if you want to be on that boat, you follow me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you have given us a, a means to come and meet with you. That this is your words. They're not the words of men. It's not just a dead book. But it is the living word of God. It has power. Power to convert lives. To change hearts. The power to not just bring you down to us, but to elevate us up to you. Father, that you have promised that you would finish the good work that you started in us. Let us not be the stumbling block, Lord. Let us be willing to be made willing. Father, we are willing to be made willing. 
So as we go into our day, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill us, guide us, and direct us, and lead us into all truth. That we not trust ourselves, but that we would trust your word alone. Help us, Father, to be diligent students. That we would study your word as never before. That we might find ourselves prepared to stand. Because it's only in your strength that we're going to find this. Settle our minds, Lord. Settle our minds that we will not be moved, that we could not be moved from a thus saith the Lord. Father, that we would have these thus saith the Lords on the witness of two or three. That we would know the, end, the beginnings so that we can understand the end of a thing. Father, that we would be searching your scriptures line upon line, precept upon precept. Let us not be smitten with the things of this world, Father, but give us regenerate hearts. Give us the spirit of repentance that we might glorify thee, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.